circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflection. Oh, he scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, oh. hero! Hi, hello, and welcome to the WHL Podcast. I am Zach Hodder, your host and the manager of player development for the Western Hockey League. On this week's episode, we have Sportsnet 650 host and former Vancouver Giant, Swift Current Bronco, and Kelowna Rocket play-by-play slash color man, Joey Kenward, as well as Red Deer Rebels second round pick. We're going to get to know him a little bit better from the 2019 WHL draft. That is Hunter Mayo. Uh, We caught up with him, just seeing what he is doing before we get to hit the ice in early January. But before all that, it's the news and notes. Three WHL clubs have made their way onto the Kia CHL Top 10 rankings. The Edmonton Oil Kings lead the way as the second-ranked club in the Canadian Hockey League, followed closely by the Kamloops Blazers coming in at 6, and the Portland Winterhawks rounding out the group at 9. The Prince Albert Raiders and Brandon Wheat Kings were on the honorable mention list. The Vancouver Giants are searching for an assistant coach after the departure of Jamie Heward, who will join his former head coach Emmanuel Vivros in Henderson, Nevada with the Vegas Golden Knights American Hockey League team. Heward spent the past two seasons as an associate coach with the Giants after spending the previous five seasons as an assistant coach with the Swift Current Broncos, where he was part of the 2018 championship team. That's it for the news and notes for everything WHL that you need to keep track of. You can follow us on Twitter at the WHL. On the podcast today is BCIT Radio Arts Entertainment grad, Joey Kenward. The former play-by-play man for the Vancouver Giants has seen just about everything from the Winter Olympics to the Kentucky Derby. We get into all of it. Here's my conversation with Sportsnet 650's Joey Kenward. I'm here today with Joey Kenward. He is the Memorial Cup champion from 2007. 2006, he won the WHL championship. He's called over 700 Western Hockey League games. Since then, he's moved up to the NHL. Uh, He is a staple of sports media in Vancouver. Joey, how have you adapted to the COVID-19 era? Well, uh, talk about starting things off with a loaded question, Zach. Um, No, you know what? I can tell you right now, the days have not dragged on in 2020 for me and I say that knowing for many people who might be listening or watching they can't say the same but I've been very fortunate with the role that I have currently and it's a hybrid role for our Sportsnet and Rogers properties here in the lower mainland of BC Uh, I've been able to keep very busy uh, with my work whether it's been in an on-air capacity or as an account manager dealing with clients that are advertising on Rogers properties. Uh, So, but there's no question that there have been many shifts and you have to be able to adapt on the fly. And I've been very fortunate to have been able to do that for, for many, many years since I kickstarted my, my broadcasting career way back in, in the mid 1990s, but great to be with you and, and certainly look forward to answering any questions that you might have. Well, let's let's kick it back to those mid 1990s. Uh, I was just a young buck back then, and you were a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid, just jumping into the sports industry as a play-by-play, or just getting your foot in the door. 
You graduated in 98 from BCIT, British Columbia Institute of Technology, uh, their radio program, and then you moved on to Kelowna, where you got to not only start your career in play-by-play -play with the Rockets, but you also did news, weather, uh, traffic, anything they needed at the station there. What was the jump like from you going from radio school to actually being on the radio and not in a small market? You were in a pretty big market. Kelowna's a big start. Yeah, uh, and even just to backtrack a little bit before that, I always knew that I wanted to be a broadcaster and specifically a sports broadcaster and even more specifically a hockey broadcaster. So I did whatever I could to, in my high school years, prep me and get me set as best as possible to get into broadcasting school. So in many respects, it's not that much different than a teenage hockey player doing all they can to try to get drafted by a major junior team or one day hopefully get drafted by an NHL team. So I grew up on Vancouver Island. I was born in Victoria, but I was raised in Nanaimo. And I, would, uh, I was lucky enough when I was going to high school to do a whole whack of different things, whether it was emceeing the morning announcements on the school's PA system or being the MC at high school sports events. But I also got a chance to work at the local radio and cable television station and get a chance to do a lot of volunteer work. And that really helped prepare me as a teenager to get into broadcasting school. So I went to BCIT in 96, graduated in 98. And while I was going to school at that time, they didn't have a program for play-by-play -play or hockey broadcasting. So on my own, in the hours outside of school, myself and a couple of fellow classmates, we'd go to local minor hockey rinks and get rosters of teams and do play-by-play, -play, literally sitting with a tape deck on our laps and a microphone that we'd share between the two of us. And that's how I was able to build up a demo reel while I was going to broadcast school. And as you mentioned, my first paid broadcasting job was in Kelowna. I got hired. In fact, I did my practicum at a radio station that at that time had the radio broadcast rights to the Rockets broadcasts. But I wound up getting hired at a competing radio station in Kelowna that shortly after wound up getting the broadcast rights. So my first job in the industry was being a news and sports reporter, but I also did color commentary for the Kelowna Rockets broadcasts. And at that time, the play-by-play -play broadcaster was Rick Ball, who I know a lot of our viewers and listeners would know is the current television play-by-play -play broadcast voice for the Calgary Flames on, on Sportsnet West. So I worked with him for a couple of years and had a chance to do all different things in the industry in a pretty good town like Kelowna. Like I would read news and sports, you said weather, traffic, but I also went to city council. I also went to school board meetings. So I was doing a lot of different things. And in addition, I wasn't getting a chance to do play-by-play -play a lot, but there were a couple of incidents where another broadcaster in the league wasn't able to make a road trip that the team he was calling games for he wasn't able to get on the road with them. And that time it was the Seattle Thunderbirds. And I'm talking about 98, 99. And at that time, I got to know people in the league. I got to know people in the industry. And the guy said, hey, I can't make this road trip. The T-Birds are coming to Kamloops. Joey, are you available to do the play-by-play? -play? I said, absolutely. So my first official WHL broadcasts weren't with the Rockets or the Swift Current Broncos or the Vancouver Giants. They actually were with the Seattle Thunderbirds 
one game in Kamloops and one game in Spokane. But eventually I had an opportunity, uh, as I just alluded to, to, to get different play-by-play jobs in the league, both with the Broncos on the Prairies and here in British Columbia with the eventual WHL champion Vancouver Giants in 2007. Well, before we get to that swift current, just, uh, you know, our, we actually have a lot of parallels and a lot of connections that run throughout our lives. You graduated from the BCIT radio program. I also graduated from the BCIT radio program. We're both from Vancouver who had to move to the prairies. We both were with the Vancouver Giants. There's just a lot of parallels that run through. But what's interesting is you just talked about how you used to go to minor hockey games with your friends from BCIT and record the games. You do the play-by-play. And another parallel here is Jordan Armstrong, who I'm sure you know from Global News BC. His brother, Taylor Armstrong, who's now a Delta police officer, his father is Grant Armstrong, who just won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning, was a former general manager with the Brandon Wheat Kings. But Jordan Armstrong used to come to our minor hockey games and do the exact same thing. So it's just funny to see how those parallels run through when motivated people in the media industry want to accomplish something. And, and, that's, and it's not just in that industry, but if, if people, young kids are wanting to pursue their dreams, can't necessarily get all that done inside the classroom. Now it's important to go to school and to earn your education and to take all that's necessary because that's the best time of your life is a student when you're around your friends every day. But if there's other things that you can do to help give you a better idea as to what that career path might be like, and if you can take advantage of them, no matter what market you might be living in, by all means do so. And I, I felt very fortunate because to your credit, you said Jordan lived in the lower mainland and had a chance to, to do that when he was, before he started his broadcasting career, going to school and then getting into the industry. Like if I didn't live in a town like Nanaimo, I might not have had that opportunity. I might not have had that opportunity to work at the local cable television station and to work at the local AM and FM radio station. I was in a really good spot at a really good time and, and feel very fortunate. But there's a lot of people that don't get those opportunities, but know full well that those opportunities are out there. You have to be able to work for them. You have to be able to, you know, have the, the energy and, and the determination and the discipline to be able to go out and get it. And that's why, you know, we see our hockey players that play in the Western League. They are determined. They are committed. They are disciplined to be able to go after that dream. Doesn't work out for every one of them. But I think you see the majority of them that start their career and end their careers in the Western League, no matter where it takes them after the fact, that those are the, the traits that you want to be able to have as, as eventually you go after the, the ultimate dream that you're, you're striving to get to. And you got to understand it's uh you need the patience because it's a long journey to get there. And for yourself, for being sure. from Nanaimo, growing up in uh, on the island, then moving to the lower mainland, you were used to a certain type of lifestyle. And then when you moved to Swift Current, Saskatchewan, number one, what was that like being a BC kid? I know for myself, when I moved back to Calgary here about three years ago, I didn't even own a perfect winter jacket. I mean, I had a ton of rain jackets, but no winter jacket. And then number two, you were a very young play-by-play host in the Western Hockey League. How long did it take for you to get the confidence or to feel the confidence that every single game you knew you were just going to crush it and bring your A game? Well, I look back on that time when we're talking about the summer of 2000. And at that time, I mentioned Rick Ball, who at that time was the Kelowna Rockets broadcaster. He wound up leaving to uh, move down to the lower mainland and Vancouver Island of BC to eventually kickstart his pro hockey play-by-play career. So when he left, there was a job opening in Kelowna. 
And I thought, this is great. This is fantastic. I've got an awesome opportunity. Just they know who I am. I'm employed by them. They know what I want to do. I'd love to be able to follow in Rick's footsteps and be the new broadcaster of the Rockets. Well, they didn't hire me. They wound up hiring Regan Bartell, who still is with the Kelowna Rockets and that same radio station in the Okanagan and has done a bang up job for hockey fans in that market. But he wound up leaving a job in Swift Current. And now that job got opened up. So I applied for that job. I went all the way out to Speedy Creek, had never been there before, always born and raised and, and lived in, in British Columbia. But I was very, very determined to get my first play-by-play -play gig, no matter where it was on the map. And when they offered me the job, I wasted no time in accepting it. And I look back on it and it helped because I could actually talk to Regan face to face when he was in Kelowna already starting the job. And he gave me some insights as to the people in town, the people in the organization, the people at the radio station. So I wasn't going in completely blind. I had a really, I had a pretty good idea as to who I was going to uh, be working with and working for. And I'd met some people along the way in the industry as well that had passed through Swift Current. So that was a big bonus. I was in Swift Current as the voice of the Broncos from 2000 to 2003. And yeah, hey, sometimes as I think you talk to a lot of people in their journeys, there were a lot of nights where driving on the bus, I'd be out looking through the window up at the stars and the moon and, and wondering is, is this worth it? I'm gonna be, am I gonna be able to make it to the next level? Am I gonna be able to see my dream come true? And, and I look at all of the places I've been and all the jobs that I've had and all of the people I've met, the move to Swift Current and the experiences I had as the play-by-play -play voice of the Broncos, that proved to be one of the most important decisions I ever have made in my life. And I've been very fortunate and very lucky to have done a lot of cool and great things and lived out my dream. But it couldn't have happened without me getting my start in Swift Current and working for and with the people that I did and just being in a different surrounding and a different environment that I was used to. Uh, sure, the winters were long and they sometimes were really cold, but I can't put a, a, a price tag and put a value, a dollar value on the experiences that I had from, from being there. It was awesome. It really, really helped me uh, set up for the next steps in my career. Can't say enough good things. I wish I had a chance to go back to Swift Current more than I have over the years. It's been quite some time since I've been back in that great community. Certainly hope to get back sooner rather than later, but it was certainly a huge, huge stepping stone for me in my, my career. And that stepping stone you used to get right back to Vancouver with the Vancouver Giants in 2004. They hired you as their, uh, I believe it was play-by-play -play and director of communications, if I'm not incorrect on that. And you got there right when the Vancouver Giants turned the corner. I mean, they started to really build uh, one of the top teams, not just in the Western Hockey League, but in the Canadian Hockey League as well. You won a 2006 championship. They made up for it the next year when they hosted the Memorial Cup winning what was going back to Vancouver like for yourself, getting to be part of those Giants teams? And is there a memorable moment for you that really sticks out as your favorite game you called when you were with the Vancouver Giants? Yeah, so 
I moved back to the West Coast, as you said, Zach, in 2003. And my role was to not only be the play-by-play broadcaster, but be their media relations director. So not only was I doing the play-by-play for every game home and away, but I would take care of everything from the team's website. So updating it and maintaining it, the player media guide, all of the stats that were required to go from the team to the league, any press releases, uh, any player appearances, school visits, community initiatives, a lot of that fell onto my desk and I absolutely loved it. Obviously being there as the broadcaster was priority number one, but I learned so many different things by being in that role where I wasn't just a broadcaster, but also having a chance to interact with different aspects of the organization, whether it was the coaches and the managers, or whether it was the ticketing department or the marketing department, um, our education advisors. Um, There were all different elements that I got a chance to learn about on the fly. And they really helped set me up as I grew older in the organization, not just at work, but just in, in life in general. And you're right. I came at a time, it was year three of the Vancouver Giants as a WHL franchise when I got there. And it didn't take long after that, that the team really started to, to put its name as a a crown jewel franchise in the WHL. You mentioned they, they won the league title in 2006. They won the Memorial cup as the hosts in 2007. And there were two moments for me that really stand out as the, the games that, are etched in my memory and will never disappear. That 2006 uh, WHL championship team, the Giants had, think about this. They played 18 playoff games that spring and lost only twice. They went 16 and two in the postseason. That may never happen again in the era of major junior hockey. And I think the games they only lost were games one in both rounds one and two. They swept the conference final. They swept the league final, which was in Moose Jaw against the Warriors. And I'll never forget my first great memory as a Vancouver Giants broadcaster. And there's many, but the one that really stands out right near the top is when they went into Moose Jaw and whipped the Warriors, and I had the equipment, my broadcast equipment allowed me to be able to take a commercial break right after the final buzzer, and I was able to have a remote microphone that could allow me to walk down the steps of the old crushed can arena, get onto the ice with the players and staff, and be able to get back on the radio so listeners in Vancouver could hear me on the ice interviewing the players and the coaches having just won their first ever championship. So that was really cool. Team went to Moncton, New Brunswick that year to play at the Memorial Cup. Didn't have a great start to the tournament. Had to go through the tiebreaker format just to get into the semifinal and and unfortunately ran out of gas. And and two teams that wound up being in the finals from the Quebec League, Moncton and, and the Quebec Remparts, they were pretty good teams that year. But that first Memorial Cup experience with that team was pretty special. But the next year when, and this still goes down as one of the greatest WHL finales in the entire league's history was prior to the Memorial Cup tournament. And that was the Giants playing the Medicine at Tigers and an absolute 
barn burner thriller of a seven game series that wound up being wrapped up in double overtime in medicine hat. And I remember that night in Southern Alberta calling the game on radio by myself, having to do the play by play to double overtime and the giants wound up losing that game uh, to the tigers. I, I just remember being devastated, but knowing, okay, the season's not quite over. Giants are going to get another shot at these guys and maybe they'll meet each other in the Memorial Cup final two weeks later. They did. That proved to be an unbelievable scene at the Pacific Coliseum. Sold out crowd of 16,000 plus. It capped off the biggest attendance ever at any Memorial Cup tournament in that established tournament's history. And the Giants wound up winning on home ice in a thriller 3-1 finale over the Tigers. I was able to use that same broadcast equipment to get down from the Jim Robs, the gondola that the Hall of Fame broadcaster and my idol Jim Robson called games in for the Canucks. I was able to call the game in that broadcast booth, get down through the stands, get onto the ice and interview the players after they had just won a national championship. So those are two of the many, many great memories I've got from my days with the Giants that, that really stand out for me. Well, even after you left the Giants, you ended up being part of the Shaw TV WHL playoff broadcast as well. So you continued to yeah. call games and host games and provide commentary to the Western Hockey League even after you left. Absolutely. And I make no bones about it. Some of the best memories I have had in my career have been a part of being a neutral site broadcaster for the best junior hockey league in the world and having to work television broadcasts from Brandon, Manitoba to Victoria, British Columbia, and all points in between. Really, really feel fortunate to have been a part of so many special broadcast moments for, for players of those years. And that happened after I left the Giants. I wanted living out my dream to be a play-by-play -play broadcaster for the Canucks in the NHL and working games at the best and highest level possible. But I also was afforded the opportunity to be able to work regional television broadcasts either as a play-by-play -play broadcaster a television host or a rinkside reporter standing between the two benches and, and worked a number of league finals worked the first ever outdoor game in whl history really really special moments that uh still to this day in 2020 stand out for me as as real real fantastic highlights and you've been doing highlights in other sports as well i know that in 2010 you got to be a reporter at the olympics as well currently you're very involved with what's going on with the whitecaps in vancouver through 650 um you know what's outside of hockey what have been some of your biggest highlights or best experiences that you've gotten to take a part of yeah, you mentioned the Olympics in 2010 at that time, working for the radio station that had the broadcast rights for the Vancouver Canucks. They didn't have the broadcast rights for the Olympics, but they were allowed to have reporters go into the venues to be there to report and view the sporting events. And one of the jobs that I had, and I was lucky that who I was working for at the time allowed me to be, I think, one of two people in the, the local station in Vancouver to have a press pass to go to different sporting events. And one of the roles that I had was to be making sure that I was at each hockey game. Well, when you go look back at that tournament, it, at any level of the sport, the 2010 Winter Olympics is some of the best hockey that's ever been played anywhere at any time. 
three games a day at the what was called Hockey Canada Place, but currently Rogers Arena. And I'd be there for games at 12 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 9 o'clock every day, rinse, repeat, right from game one of the tournament right to the golden goal moment when Canada beat the United States. I was in the same seat for every game. Tough gig, right? So much fun, so many great moments to have actually been able to say, not only were you at an Olympics, but you got a chance to work at an Olympics. And I'll never know if I get that opportunity again. I certainly hope I do, but I'm so thankful that I did get that opportunity. That's really one of the, the huge highlights for me. I also had a chance, as you mentioned, to be a, a soccer play-by-play broadcaster for the Vancouver Whitecaps and MLS. That allowed me the opportunity to go to a lot of other cities that I had never been to. Being a broadcaster in the NHL, I've been very fortunate to visit every market that's on the NHL map. But I had a chance to go to different cities and call different play-by-play broadcasts that I had never been to before. Going to places like Kansas City, Houston, really cool experiences. And, and to go into different stadiums. And I'm a big soccer fan, as much as I am a hockey fan, to be able to go to these venues and watch sports and, and call games well, was something I just, I, I'll never forget. Very, very lucky to been able to get those, those opportunities. So those are some of the really cool moments that I've had in, in, in my broadcasting career. And it's easy to say now, but I, I, I'm so thankful. I don't know if I could have accomplished any of that, areas of, of swift current saskatchewan well joey it's not just uh how cool your career has been but it's it's how it keeps evolving and keeps progressing from one thing to the next i mean after you left the giants you joined tsn 1040 and were there their canucks play-by-play and uh reporter and then in 2012 you were hired by the vancouver canucks to be their reporter you covered and broadcast you covered every single practice every single home and away game well, when you made that jump to the nhl level what did you notice was the biggest difference for yourself and your day-to-day well the biggest difference i noticed as a broadcaster working in nhl buildings as opposed to western hockey league buildings was your broadcast vantage point isn't necessarily as ideal as working in a smaller rink when you think about it when you're working in a broadcast booth like swift current you literally have to climb up a ladder to get into a gondola where you're hanging right above the bench like 30 feet above the players well when you go into a building like dallas texas or pittsburgh pennsylvania you're high up and you're way back from the ice so that was the biggest adjustment i found as being a broadcaster uh, working at that level of the sport compared to what I had been used to for, for so many nights in, in WHL arenas. That to me was the biggest adjustment, but also being around professionals day in and day out. And as much fun as I had working with 16 to 20 year old players, developing their skills, not only as athletes, but developing their skills as people. Now, all of a sudden you see the high performance, best of the best in their relative departments, whether it's goalies, defensemen, forwards, enforcers, whatever it might be, you see in a real hurry what you don't see watching on television. And doesn't work out for every player, but you realize in a real hurry what separates the best from those that are trying to be the best. And 
I was very fortunate to be working around the Vancouver Canucks at that time, not only in a radio capacity, but then working for the organization as a host when they won back-to-back President's Trophies as the best team in the league. Fell one game short of winning a Stanley Cup championship in 2011. To work with not only great athletes, but great people during my time there. Daniel and Henrik Sedin, Trevor Linden, great WHL alumni. You know, just Jim Benning, who's the current GM and, and a Western Hockey League alum as well. Feel very, very fortunate to have been there at that time working with that organization. And I'm very fortunate to be able to continue, even if it's in a different role today in 2020, to still have great relationships and great, not only personal, but business relationships with those people that I've had great connections with over the last decade. Very, very, very happy to be able to to be where I'm at right now after having been able to make that jump from, from the WHL level to the NHL level. Yeah, you've really made your mark in Vancouver. And I know when I look back on those two years, 2010 and 2011, those might have been two of the best years in Vancouver sports history. The atmosphere during the Olympics is hard to explain to people now because it's, especially now, it seems so foreign. Like It was such an electric, positive, enjoyable two-week tournament. And then the next year we got the Stanley Cup Finals. And I remember going downtown Vancouver and just thousands upon thousands of people in Canucks jerseys lining the streets. I mean, for yourself, do you look back on that time fondly and just remember what it was like to be in the city for those two great events? Unbelievable. And it will be really tough. I'm, I'm hoping one day that it is, but it's going to be really tough to match because especially being in a host city, being around the people, I mean, it's, it's one of the best parties I've ever experienced. And I, I remember the gold medal game that Canada played against the United States was I think at 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time you're finished at the arena and interviewing the players and going outside, like the streets were just red and white everywhere and complete strangers high-fiving you and hugging you and maybe kissing you. Um, no, it was just such a, just an awesome, awesome moment in time, no matter whether you're a diehard hockey fan or not, if you were a Canadian at that time, in Vancouver and it wasn't just the hockey I mean that that was the most successful winter Olympics for Canadians hitting the gold medal podium as there's ever been so just a a complete surreal experience considering we had only had a chance to to consume the Olympics as sports fans through our television sets prior to then and 2011 you're right even if the Canucks didn't win it all uh, those couple of months to be in in the hockey scene in that city but you know the season's changing from spring to summer the team is as good if not as best as it's ever been as a franchise and and they were hands down the best team in that league throughout the year and even going in to the final against the Boston Bruins Bruins wound up winning it in seven games but just the atmosphere and and the energy in the city at that time I think it'll only ever get matched and be surpassed whenever Vancouver winds up winning their first Stanley Cup. Didn't end the way 
hockey fans in these parts would have liked it to. But certainly, I, I think when you talk about memories, the positives far outweigh the negatives when, when looking back on that time. Yeah, I still think about that time, just being on the SkyTrain too, going downtown and people are busting out the Canadian anthem and you're just, it was, it, it'll be hard to describe to people and fully explain to them how great that, that, that time was for sports fans and just for people in the city. Now I got a couple more questions for you. Just a, a quick little aside here. I was trying to do some research on you, which is always difficult with media people because you're always interviewing people instead of being interviewed. So it's a little bit more difficult to find some information, those fun facts. But what I did happen to find was you're a big uh, horse racing fan. As a matter of fact, you've even uh, been a part owner of a racing horse as well. How did you find, how did you get into the horse racing scene in Vancouver? Well, it's been pretty recent. Uh, where it really kind of all started for me was the previous home of the Vancouver Giants was on the PE grounds in East Vancouver. So when they started in the league, they played at the Pacific Coliseum. Behind the Coliseum is the very famous horse racing track, simply called Hastings Park. And on occasion, in the years that I was working for the Giants, uh, when the horse racing season cross paths with the start of the hockey season I might be able to go down and watch a few horse races and place a couple of bets not big spender by any stretch just really cool activity and and just something different that I hadn't been used to at all growing up and it fast forward a number of years after that I was started going to the track a little bit more and getting to know some people through hockey circles that had gone to the track and I got to know people at the track and wound up buying into a, a very small syndicate for a horse ownership and just something cool wanted to experience it didn't ever get into the winner's circle unfortunately to get my photo taken with a, a winning horse but just a really neat neat experience and and hopefully when fans are allowed to get back to the track one day uh, maybe I get a chance to do that again but I really fell in love just seeing the horses run and train and meet the people in the industry and hey if I won a bet or two uh, that was nothing more than a bonus but having a chance to connect with people in Vancouver who had some connections with people in Louisville Kentucky I was able to get to go to the Kentucky Derby which is not only the biggest horse racing event on the planet, it's one of the biggest sporting spectacles anywhere in North America. And I had a chance to do it in 2018, where I was able to fly down and stay, I actually literally rented a trailer and stayed in a trailer across one of the main intersections to Churchill Downs. Got to know people uh, that were living in the vicinity and was able to go to the Kentucky Derby the year that a horse named Justify started its run to a Triple Crown Championship. Justify actually it was really cool, had Canadian connections. And for a lot of people who might be listening to this, they may say, what? A horse that actually won the Kentucky Derby, let alone won the Triple Crown, is tied to Canada? Well, yeah, because the breeder of that horse actually lives full-time in Langley, British Columbia about 20 minutes from where I live and got a chance to know him prior to that race, got a chance to see him at Churchill Downs the day of the races. And I was in the walking ring with the horses leading up to the Kentucky Derby. I was able to walk across the track into the winner's circle 
along with other media members and it was driving sideways rain got absolutely soaked and drenched it's one of the worst rainfalls in the 140 plus year history of the derby but i was there and uh just a really awesome sports moment never know if i get a chance to go again i certainly hope i'll get a chance to go again because it was one of the best party atmospheres i've ever seen when you're talking about 160,000 people in one location for one specific event. Yeah, that's a bucket list item. I'm very, very happy to say I've been able to, to check off my list and I can only keep my fingers crossed that I'll get a chance to go there again. I think that might've been the year too that Wes Welker made that big bet and ended up winning, if I'm not mistaken, 2018. It was 2017 or 2018 he made. I think it was 2018. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a lot of people that win a lot of money at that event, but I'll tell you what, there's way more people that lose way more money. Yeah. I mean, all, all you need is one lucky winning ticket and uh, it, can, it can change your life. But unfortunately, I'm still waiting for that moment. Hey, I think a lot of us are still waiting for that moment. Uh, my last question for you is to tie everything back into what you're doing right now, which is working for Sportsnet 650. Obviously, Sportsnet 650 is a sports radio station in Vancouver. Well, sports haven't really been on a lot. I mean, we luckily just got the NHL and the MLB who just finished their season. Currently, we have the NFL as well as the MLS is currently going on. But for from a sports radio station programming perspective, which is a mouthful to say, how has it been and how have you, your station, gone about deciding what your programming was going to be and tailoring it to what your listeners want to hear when there's no sports going on? Yeah, and that's obviously not just a challenge here in Vancouver, but it's a challenge in any market that would have an all-sports format. Uh, there's a Sportsnet radio station in Calgary. They've got the broadcast rights to the Flames and the Calgary Hitmen, just like here in Vancouver. Sportsnet 650 has the rights to the Canucks and as well the Western Hockey League giant, Toronto. Sportsnet's radio station has the rights to the Leafs broadcasts. So our radio station has talk show programming every day even if there's not a game to recap or a game to preview there's no shortage of things to talk about now it has resulted in people needing to have their creative juices flow a little bit more so than maybe what they're used to but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the on-air personalities to be able to be taken out of their comfort zone and and be challenged to create quality informative and most importantly entertaining product for a sports fan to listen to and who knows when hockey's going to be back or when professional sports are going to be back on a global level obviously there's nfl football and that has a lot of people still consumed day in and day out but yeah it, it's it's certainly a format that brings about its challenges but for sports fans i think you're always going to want to hear what people are talking about and whether it's when a season might be resuming, whether a team's prospects are playing, you know, what adjustments an organization has needed to make to finish off one season, to start another. There's no doubt that it brings challenges, but it also, I think, can maybe take a look differently as how you approach and deliver the product. And, you know, this past summer, our radio station as like a lot of others in the Rogers network did a pretty good job of keeping consumers interested, informed, but most importantly, entertained. Because when hockey came back and people were clamoring for hockey to return, 
it was fantastic programming and it brought listeners if they hadn't already come back they came back in a big big way and from where the position that i have not only being on air but also working with various businesses of all shapes and sizes who want to have their products advertised and marketed and aligned with sports we saw many many people who might not have been advertising before come back on board and come back in a big, big way. So that was great to see and certainly keep fingers crossed that that's going to be continuing again as we head into the winter. And no matter where that date gets circled on the calendar, uh, I don't think you're just seeing sports fans disappear because their favorite team isn't playing and their favorite league isn't operating. I think there's still such a, a huge audience there that you can attract with not only your content, but also your advertising. And I certainly look forward to the day that all of that comes together, aligning with uh, seeing the favorite products that we're so used to seeing on a day in and day out basis. Yeah, and hopefully the NHL gives us that uh, that date here quickly, but also for uh, the radio stations in Canada right now, we're lucky that Abbotsford's very own Chase Claypool is doing so well with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every At least once a week, we have something to talk about with a tie-in to the Canadian connection right there. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, listen, there's Canadian athletes. And here's the other thing that I wish this happens more. You see it periodically, but here's an opportunity now where so many other young amateur athletes that don't get nearly the notoriety, don't get nearly the publicity. Here's an opportunity for them to get into the spotlight, whether it's a teenage hockey player getting a chance to move away from home to go play junior hockey whether it's a a high school athlete playing volleyball or basketball whatever the sport might be put the attention on them put the spotlight on them because when pro sports are on we don't necessarily hear those great stories see those great success moments and and a great opportunity now i think is there right in front of us to be able to pump the tires and i know you And those in the Western Hockey League have done an amazing job. Talk about the success stories, not for just those former WHLers that wound up making it to the NHL, but seeing some of those great success stories for players that wound up going on to play university hockey or wound up going into the workforce as doctors or lawyers or or whatever field they might be in. Now is the time to be able to put those kind of stories into the spotlight. I think especially through your channels, through the WHL, you're, you're really doing a great job of, of, of putting, putting some great, great stories that maybe have not been told by many, too many, uh, certainly getting the notoriety they deserve. And I think that's exactly what everybody, what we're all trying to do right now is making sure that those people that maybe haven't been seen or definitely should have been seen, give them their opportunity right now, because we know when sports comes back, it's going to be at the top of every single list. So I would like to thank Joey Kenward for myself and many people in Vancouver and the lower mainland. He was the voice of the Vancouver Giants for our childhood when I was growing up, when I was going to the games, when I was driving up uh, down East Hastings to get to the Pacific Coliseum, we'd be listening to Joey's pregame show. And then we go watch the Giants kick the crap out of some team back when Brule was ripping around, not just scoring goals, but absolutely killing people with some of the biggest hits you've ever seen in your life. Uh, he is now a Sportsnet 650. It is a staple of Vancouver, like I've said before. So thank you again so much, Joey. Thank you very much uh, to my fellow BCIT broadcast graduate and uh, continued success for you, uh, giving the platform to so many people to to tell their stories. And uh, I think I speak on behalf of everybody 
in uh, junior hockey circles. Can't wait to see the best junior hockey league back on the ice sooner rather than later into 2021. Thank you again to Joey Kenward. Up next, our last conversation on this week's episode is the 23rd overall selection, which is the first pick in the second round at the 2019 WHL draft. Hunter Mayo, a Red Deer Rebels prospect. Today I'm talking with Hunter Mayo, who was the second round pick, the first pick of the second round, actually, in the 2019 WHL draft to the Red Deer Rebels. Hunter, how was your summer? And now that this season is somewhat started for yourself playing for the Saskatoon Blazers. How have you been enjoying it? Yeah, it was good. I had uh, got to be in lots of training throughout the summer and got to work out with lots of my teammates and guys that I'm playing against this year. We've only actually played one game so far with the Blazers, but our team's looking good, so it should be a good year. Well, let's turn back the page and let's go back to last year because, I mean, a lot more happened last year, as we all know. You guys were in November, only one game played, but you got your first opportunity to go to a Western Hockey League training camp with the Red Deer Rebels. What was that experience like and what did you take away from it? Yeah, that was great. I tried to be a sponge there, taking as much knowledge as I could from coaching staff and such. Just a great facility out there and, yeah, just lots lots to see out there. Well, looking at your season last year in 41 games with the Blazers, you had 13 goals, 19 assists for 32 points, which is pretty darn good for a defenseman. Uh, if you could describe the way that you play to somebody who's never seen you play, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I'd say I'm an offensive defenseman who likes to jump up in the rush or sometimes lead it and got a good shot from the point who that can find its way to the net. Usually a guy you can rely on to either make a good first pass out or well, you didn't just get to play for the Blazers last year in the Saskatchewan U18 AAA League. You also played for Team Saskatchewan at the WHL Cup. It's a long tournament. You guys were underdogs and you ended up winning the tournament in a, in a dramatic fashion uh, against Team Manitoba. What was that experience like for you? And, you know, what were some of the highlights? Probably one of the biggest highlights was that game against Alberta, just being able to beat them and just along alongside all my buddies and just how great we played and how well we bonded throughout the whole thing and obviously winning winning the final there really was a great moment you know you had an extended off season this year as you're getting prepared to finally make the jump to the western hockey league what are the things that you've been working on this past summer to get you ready for when we do drop the puck in january my foot speed and quickness has been one really big thing that kind of was a setback for me but i trained all summer and to get it to where it needs to be so yeah i'm ready for it Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Um, I wish you the best of luck with the Blazers. Hopefully you guys are able to keep playing all the way up until the Christmas break, and then you're able to get back to Red Deer and uh, you know have an opportunity to make that squad this season. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. That's it for the show this week. You can follow me at Zach Hodder on Twitter. You can follow the Western Hockey League at the WHL. We also have a website, whl.ca, where you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Western Hockey League. I hope you have a great week. We'll be dropping another episode again next Wednesday.